again, it's so good to be with all of you today. Um, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it over. We, we like getting the Bible. It's our ministry. Of course, hopefully, right? But each semester we pick something in the Bible to just go straight through. Last semester we went through 2 Corinthians. This semester we're going through 13 different scenes of the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at the very first scene that we're covering this semester, uh, which is at the very beginning. So that, that area of your Bible that sometimes gets smushed because it's been dropped so many times or whatever, that's where we're going to be uh, on the very first page. Um, but the more we learn about who God is, and I, I think you've probably learned this about the Trinity, trying to figure out Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three, but one. And I, I just listened to a great theologian, A.W. Tozer, unpack it all. And he did such a good job. And at the end, I was still confused. And I, I think there's part of us that will never quite grasp the brevity and the magnitude of the Trinity. But we do know certain things that Jesus has made very clear to us. And in the Bible, we get some great snapshots that show us. Um, so I'm, I'm just so excited to jump into this passage. And one of my favorite Psalms uh, is from Psalm 145.3, and it says, Great is the Lord, highly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. And I, I don't know about you, but I don't like things to be out of order. I like things to be in order. Like uh, when I, you know, for instance, if um, we're getting ready to have a night of worship and there's just stuff everywhere, I've got to coil it up and put it to the side, even though it doesn't matter. Are anybody like that at all? Or something like a piece of something sitting out on the floor and you're, you're sitting there watching it, you're like, and then the other people are like not even paying attention to it. You're thinking, there's a candy wrapper right there. Someone pick it up, you know. There's just something inside of us that just goes off when things aren't quite right how they should be. And we see this on macro levels too, right? It, when we watch the news or we see politics or we see people disagreeing about this and that and we're thinking, can't we just agree long enough to be together, right? And one of the things that we've talked about a lot in our campus ministry recently is the Holy Spirit, since the church started in the first century, has always been the most diverse group. We, we're the most, for 2,000 years running, we are the most diverse group to have ever existed on planet Earth. Racially, we're diverse. Politically, we're diverse. Age-wise, we're diverse. I mean, the, every single thing you can think of, Christians all around the world are worshiping on Sundays, praising God, and we walk in these doors... We come in making all kinds of different amounts of money. We come in with all kinds of different experiences. Some of us have gone to church for a very long time. Some of us, this may be your first Sunday. And but when we walk in these doors, we sit down. We are the same. It's the only place on planet Earth where that is true. Isn't that beautiful? That's taking chaos and turning it into creation. So that's really what we're going to focus on this morning. And what we're going to see is that the Bible tells us of the God, one God, three in one, who speaks and things happen. And God, he doesn't create out of necessity. 
All of us, the things that we do are out of necessity of survival, usually, you know. I eat, I sleep, you know, I don't run into cars, I, I try to be safe, you know, whatever. We, we are doing things out of necessity. God never does anything out of necessity. He, he doesn't need us. He didn't need to say, let there be light. He didn't need to send Jesus. I think that's the beauty of the God that we serve because he, he simply creates because he can. And it wasn't just with great precision and intelligence that God created the heavens and the earth. He did have a lot of precision and intelligence when he created everything. But the beauty of the God that we serve, the true and living God, is that he created the heavens and the earth, but he also created them with great care, with great care. I think that, that is the big difference between a lie and truth, if we're going to be really honest this morning. So what I want to do is I want to open up to the very first page of the Bible, Genesis. This is my uh, backpack Bible. So I, what I do, I have this in my backpack when I go on campus. If it's raining, uh, it gets rained on, the top of it. So the top of the Bible is like, got the, you got a Bible that's been rained on before. It's got like the wavy pages. So if it takes me 100 years to get to a scripture, you know why. Okay, just asking for some grace. I mean, it's bad. Anyway, maybe I should put it inside my backpack instead of in the pouch in the front. Just a thought. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. We're already lost, right? And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And if you're a Bible reader like me and you read your Bible on a daily basis, maybe you try to go through the Bible every year like we do, you, you read that and then you kind of skip to the days of creation. You're like, oh, can I name the days of creation like I did in Sunday school or whatever? But that verse sometimes gets passed on. And the first thing we're going to talk about this morning is order in creation. My son loves... Uh, and my daughter, too, I have two kids, one nine and one seven. We're busy, right? And we go to Half Price Books. It's one of our favorite places to go. Anybody like to go there? I love it. You should go. But my son always wants to get one kind of book every time we go. They're books on sharks. The bloodier, the better. You know, like the shark attack or, you know, learning all about them, how they, they, they never stop swimming, you know, and they have no eyelids or whatever else he lear learns about sharks. And, you know, when we were reading through one of those books uh, before bed, which is a great time to read about sharks. <laughs> and we were reading through, and it said in the book, just offhandedly, that we have only explored 5% of the world's oceans have been chartered. Let that sink in for a second. Because on day five, you maybe get kind of unimpressed. Oh, we just did the fish and the birds on this day. No. We find 150 new species of fish every year. That's insane, isn't it? So when we're talking about order and creation, we're talking about a God who did an insane amount uh, during this time of creation. And in, the, in, in the ancient Israel's history, there were three predominant cosmologies, which were like these views of how the heavens and the earth came about. Uh, the, the, the three big ones were the Babylonian or the Assyrian cosmology, 
which believed that creation began from battles with the chaos water dragon. Then the Egyptian um, cosmology, which was pre-created reality, was a chaotic, watery condition, devoid of life, self-created. The Sumerian was, and Canaanite was the third cosmology. Uh, creation by water being added to a barren desert. Now, you see a theme? What's the theme? Water. Uh, did you know that flood accounts, there's 500 different ancient flood accounts. When you're reading Genesis chapter 6, that is not just a Hebrew thing. That's how it happened thing, right? So we're talking about the very beginning when Moses is writing this down, which we believe he wrote this down. This is an attack against every major world religion at the time of what God was like and who God is. Um, so when it says in verse 2 that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters, the imagery is of a mama bird nurturing her young with her wings. And I just, I just think that that is so powerful. And you got to check out this quote from an early church father, Basil C Caesarea. He says, it, it cherished the nature of the waters as one sees a bird cover the eggs with her body and impart to them vital force from her own warmth. The Spirit prepared the nature of the water to produce living beings, a sufficient proof for those who ask if the Holy Spirit took an active part in the creation of the world. So we're talking about chaos, uh, you know, cre answering chaos with creation uh, in this very beginning. The Holy Spirit has been declaring from the very beginning that creation is his response to chaos. And there is no God, there is no God like our God, amen, who with care and with great intelligence created the heavens and the earth. I think that that's a God that's worthy to be worshipped, a God that can't fit in this building, a God that can't fit in this planet, a God that can't fit in the universe. That is the God who loves us very much. So there's order in creation. Uh, let's read our next passage. We're going to jump to the New Testament, a little Bible flipping here. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, this is one of those chapters you read it, and you have to ask Mark what's going on in it. But I won't, I won't do that today. I'm just going to stick to one verse. You can ask him all the questions later. Uh, but verse 33, uh, he's talking about speaking in tongues to the church in Corinth. And he says this. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the creation, uh, congregations of the Lord's people. Um, when my, my aunt and uncle, they were big-time Pentecostals, okay? So they, and, and my church's music where I grew up was not good. I, I'm sorry. Jim Keithler sometimes wouldn't stay on key with the song leading, you know. So I, I go with them on Wednesday nights to their music because it was really, really good. So I go into that church, and it was wild, man. I mean, people were running, like, senior citizens running up and down the aisles, you know, jumping over pews, and then I'm standing there doing this. And at the end of the service, they had everybody come forward and get slain in the spirit, knocking people down. You know, I was like, I don't know what's going on here. It was chaotic. It was chaotic. In this port city of Corinth, um, 
that Paul is writing to was the perfect place for God to bless the Christians there with the gift of tongues, speaking in other languages. Because they had so many people from all over the Mediterranean that were coming in and out both sides of Corinth. So many cultures. But the Christians in Corinth, what they were doing, what I believe was happening in that little bitty small church I was in, they were misusing their gifts. They were misusing the gifts. They wouldn't wait for an interpreter. Instead, they would just blurt out in unknown languages at the same time, causing confusion. In communion, they were doing the same thing. They were getting drunk on the communion wine, you know. Uh, That's just, it's insane. It's chaos. The chaos and disorder were distracting from why they had gathered. Our whole goal of meeting here today is to remove as many distractions so that you can experience the presence of Jesus. We had a guitar issue. We had to work through that this morning. That's to create, that's to eliminate the distractions so that we can experience the love of Jesus. And that's the job of the church. God is the God of peace and not of confusion. And, and structure, we don't always like structure, especially when we're younger. Structure doesn't squelch the move of the Spirit. The same God who ordered creation wants to order our worship experience too. Not that we can't be spontaneous when we're driving down the road, listening to a Christian song really loud, about to blow out the speakers in our sound system in our car, or that kind of experience, or when you're brushing your teeth, you're saying that prayer that you pray. But when we come together, we have to be very intentional in how we praise, because God is a God of order, not of confusion. Uh, But we as human beings, this is just true, not just in the church, we will always slip into chaos when we don't have a plan. Amen? Right? You all been there. I've been there. But the Holy Spirit will always inspire peace as we worship. If not, something's gone wrong, either within us or around us. The last scripture we're going to look at, I think, ties everything together. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 23. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 23. So far, my rained-on Bible has not been too bad to turn, uh, but I've just jinxed myself here. 1823, or 823, sorry, 1 Kings 823. Uh, This is Solomon dedicating the temple. Of course, he had a great start and a horrible ending to his career as king. Uh, 823. And the reason I want to read this is because it speaks to God's character. So we have the order in creation, the order in worship, And this is the order in God's character. Solomon is on his knees with his hands outstretched and said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or earth below. You keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. When it says, we just blow past it because we're very familiar with the word love. But when he, says, when he says covenant of love, he's making another statement. Just like Moses made a statement at the very beginning with, his, with the true account of how the heavens and the earth were created. With the spirit hovering over the waters. He uses this Hebrew word, said, which is used 245 times in the Old Testament. If something appears 245 times in the Old Testament, I think we better pay attention. Right? And I, I love this. I read an entire book on it by Michael Card. I, I suggest you read it too. But this is a, a quote from his book. Linguistic scholars have begun to believe that there is no cognate 
or in any other ancient language where the word has said, it is uniquely a Hebrew word. Perhaps the reason for this is not linguistic, but spiritual. Perhaps the reason no other language possesses a word that can capture the full meaning of a said, we struggle to translate it in the Old Testament and its, its version in the New Testament, agape, uh, we, we try to, is that in all other cultures, this particular idea never existed. Now, ch- think about that for a second. Never existed. There is a good reason for the fact that we possess no ancient hymns to the kindness of Baal or Molech or Zeus or any other gods. Let that soak in for a second. No worship times, right? Um, Ultimately, the Hebrew creation narrative shows us that God's has said has been there from the beginning. God's incredible love. Uh, The ESV, they help us out. Every time we see that in the Old Testament, it says steadfast love, steadfast love. You get get tired of seeing it. It's there so much. Uh, Other translations translate it different ways. And this is expressly shown in the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. He died and rose so that we could finally find freedom from our chaos uh, in our sin. There is really nothing that God does that is not done with intention. Um, and does not inspire peace. The Holy Spirit will always ground us in God's character, his has said. And so I thought it was really great at this time to ask one of our students to come forward and share. Um, Ethan's going to come forward and share just a little bit about this passage and, and a story that he has that's going to relate perfectly uh, to what we're talking about. So Ethan, come on up. Good morning, everyone. So blessed to be here with you all today. Um, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Ethan Fosnott. I'm a freshman here at IPUI. Um, and I'd just kind of like to share a testimony in my life about how God changed chaos into some creation. So in my senior year of high school, which believe it or not, was only last year. Um, it was cra- it's crazy to think about because, you know, time flies super fast, as I'm sure a lot of you guys are aware of. Um, I attended Covenant Christian High School, which is a small private school on the west side of Indianapolis, and I'm just super grateful for those four years that I had there. They were super impactful to my faith, and I just really met lots of great friends and great teachers that uh, challenged me in lots of aspects of my faith and also just gave me a really good, gave me a really good education. Um, specifically, though, there was one class that I took there. It's called Christian Worldview that was really impactful to my faith and challenged me in a really unique way, and i just kind of like to share uh, that with you guys. So the main idea about this class is that we'd spend the whole year working through different aspects of the Christian worldview and how it compared to the inadequacies of other worldviews. Um, so, you know, that sounds, sounds a little tough, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are thinking, you did that in high school? <laughs> yeah, I did that in high school. But... Anyways, at the very end of the year, we would uh, create ourselves a thesis statement, a thesis paper, rather, and we'd present it to the whole class, which you can believe was kind of stressful for me, and in the paper, we'd kind of cover our beliefs of the questions and things we covered throughout the whole, the whole uh, year. Um, we were given a list of life's universal questions, things such as what is beauty, what is love, what is the purpose of human history, 
Um, so I had to, I was tasked to choose one of those things. Um, but one thing that really stuck out to me was the question, who is God? I know that's a kind of open-ended question, and there's a lot of different ways you can go with that. But just something about it stuck out to me, and I decided to run with that. Um, but more specifically, I decided to choose um, to focus my paper on the incarnation and how God was 100% divine and 100% human when he came to earth. So as you can probably assume, I had my work stuck out for me. So uh, I soon began the whole drafting process, um, having different meetings with my teachers, doing different writings and readings. Basically, the whole purpose of that was to get some creative juices flowing in my head and just preparing me for writing the whole uh, paper. So one thing you should know about me is that I'm kind of not the greatest reader or writer, rather. So it's not, this project was probably not the best thing for me. I kind of prefer to use my creativity to kind of produce things that I think are cool. So can't really do too much of that in this project, but you know, I tried my best. Um, so I began to get pretty overwhelmed, as you can probably assume, through this experience. And I began to fall really far behind in the process. And I really got so down on myself. And unfortunately, there was really one point where I thought that it would be easier to transfer to another school to finish, to finish my senior year of high school, just so I could get out of doing the paper. But, that was probably not the greatest idea, so and I knew I couldn't do that, both because it wasn't really beneficial for my education and two, for my faith. I really realized that God was putting me through this trial to test me and to have, eventually just grow my faith overall. So I began to, began to put some harder work into the process, and I would sit down every time I wanted to write, say a quick prayer to God, asking him to guide my thoughts, and that his will may be done throughout uh, my words in the paper. Um, and the paper just really started to shape into something that I truly fell in love with. And eventually, I got the paper, worldview paper turned in, and boy, was I on top of the world. <laughs> um, I was so happy and relieved because, you know, that this situation strengthened my faith and really turned me into a better person overall. Now, I would say that I learned several things about myself and God through this experience. Um, of course, that was the whole process of the, the whole worldview paper was for me to grow in my faith. But I really felt like I grew in a unique way, and that helped me understand God's character and how it was completely and in order. I, I began to knew that the Christian worldview offers something that the world does not, and that is redemption. And without God, we are a mess. And when we are this mess, God says to us, you mess it up, and I put it right back together. Just like in my experience, when I just felt completely a mess and the whole experience was falling apart, God picked me back up and put me right back together, and, and it just helped me through the whole experience. So um, I'll leave you guys with this. If you ever find yourself in a place where you feel like there's no way, no way out, the only way is down. The devil has a hold of your life. Just know this. That, that is not true at all. God is the way out. All you have to do is put your hope in him, just like I did. I found God in one of the lowest times of my life, like I shared with you all through this experience, and he really flipped my world right side up. So please know that God's hand is always outstretched to you guys. All you have to do is take it 
and then he will guide you through even the toughest times in life. Thank you, guys. Fantastic. So just a few things as we leave, um, head into our invitation time, just to plug in these passages into our lives. Um, we're not here just to give you a bunch of interesting information, although I do enjoy interesting information. If I don't know what it's going to do to my life when I leave this building, I may as not even have said anything, right? Um, the first thing today, when we're talking about order and creation, is we need to open our eyes to the Spirit. Our eyes can't take in all that God has created. I mean, you've done it before where you've laid on your back in the, middle, uh, in the night, in your yard maybe, and looked up at the stars and tried to count them. I mean, it's insane how vast creation is. We're never going to be able to take it in. Um, thank God for everything that your eyes see that he has created. Uh, the Bible says this in Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2. It says, David writes, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, and night after night they reveal knowledge. What is creation saying? What's the voice that we can't hear, but we can hear it, but we can't hear it? The voice is saying, God is massive. God is not just massive and intelligent. God is compassionate. God loves you. The second thing to apply, so open our eyes to the Spirit. Second is to open our hearts to the Spirit. Jesus said to, the, to Satan, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only, Matthew 4.10. I think it's very fascinating that Jesus has to quote Scripture in the midst of temptation. He had to have memorized that Scripture he had to have it in his heart, in his head, ready to use in a time of temptation. That's why we have those scripture cards out there for memorization. Because if we're not intentional, we will not be ready when temptation comes for us. So what structure do you have in your life today that will lead you closer and closer to Jesus every day? Blake, uh, this is a cool story about Blake. His grandma, when she got done reading the one-year Bible with you guys, going through and like making some notes and stuff in the Bible, she gifted that to Blake, and now he's reading through it. Now, how cool is that? That's what structure can do. That doesn't happen on accident. You don't wake up and say, what am I going to do today? I think I'm going to read my Bible. You won't. You won't. Not if you don't have a plan, unless something's going terribly wrong and you've got to run to God. But we, we, we've got to do this on a daily basis. We've got to have structure. So these structures will bring stability to your life. And some of the ones that I thought of that we really can use some work on are music, the music we listen to. I was joking about a Toby Keith song before the service. That was a joke. Okay, that was not. Um, anyway, but music, what good music you listen to on a weekly basis that draws you closer to Jesus where you can blow out those speakers in your car or whatever. Prayer. What's your plan for prayer? Who are you praying for on a weekly basis? Are you praying for your church on a daily basis? Who's on your prayer list? What's on your prayer list? What's on your prayer list 
that you can't accomplish on your own. Bible study, we just talked about that both personal and in a small group and church as well. And I think when we get into this place where we're structured and we have planned systems in place where we're seeking God's face, what it does is it becomes easier to do evangelism. If we go out today and we say, okay, everybody, wherever you go to lunch, you got to share the gospel with one person at the restaurant. Many of us would be like, I'm not coming back next Sunday, you know. And I think when we're in, we're in these structures and we're worshiping Jesus, we're in his word, it naturally will come out. It will naturally come out. The third thing as we leave today is we need to open our minds to the Spirit. Open our eyes, our hearts, and our minds. I think we need to retrain our minds when it comes to how we think about the true God that's pictured in the Bible. You know, I used to look at the opening in the second page, uh, 1976 is what it told me it was written in. You know, as a kid, I was thinking, oh, wow, the Bible's real old, you know. (laughs) Uh, I didn't realize there was Greek manuscripts and first century, 2,000 years. I just knew that's when my parents were married, so 1976. But he is not permissive or apathetic as to how we lead our lives and live our lives. God really cares what we do with our time. He wants, us, he wants what is best for us. He is the God of said. So when I'm talking about our minds, I'm talking about our minds have to be steadfast on God's character. If we don't have our minds set on God's character and what he is like, when our emotions go crazy, when something does, someone does something evil to us or to our family, and we want to overreact or we want to take things in our own hands, we have to remember God's character. Here's another instance of a said in the Old Testament. Turn, O Lord, deliver my life, save me. For the sake of your steadfast love. Jesus is seeking to do what is best for you. And I just want to end. um, I'm going to invite the worship team up. um, As we come to a time of invitation. We we have another student who helped with this message. When we had it on campus last week. And uh, we've all had our experiences with COVID. And it's all affected us in different ways. Amen. Right? It's all put limitations on us that we don't want uh, for the sake of trying to have compassion and understanding. And it's, it's awful, right? And uh, this student, her name is Anna, and her parents are both Christians. They were on opposite ends of opinions on what to do in times of COVID. And it was so bad that when they were quarantined and we all got shut down, everything got ramped up in their house, screaming fighting back and forth all the time, and then the kids were in the house, stuck in the middle of all the conflict. And as you can imagine, uh, when that starts to happen in a home, many of us, what we start to do is we say, well, this is going the way of every other marriage that ends up with fireworks in the home like this. It's going to end in divorce. And that's how they were talking. And so Anna is just beside herself. Everybody's trapped in there. There's no hope. There's no way out. There's no way that this can end positively. And you know what God did? And this doesn't happen every time, does it? Many of us can testify to the chaos in our lives that has just been awful. It's just torn us apart. But they they reconciled. Today they're still married. Now how is that even possible? How is it that she can stand up and tell that story to a room full of college students about 
how God can make creation out of chaos. It's only because God is a good, good father to us, isn't he? He's the one that's fighting for us all the way.